Welcome back to the Chase Brewster Show. I am your host, Chase Brewster. Today we have a very, very special guest, someone who I am very excited for you guys to hear his story. Uh, Someone who has changed baseball forever, both on and off the field. Someone who has been a brand ambassador for the game of baseball and has made it fun again for players to express themselves. And someone who is on the Mount Rushmore of forward thinkers to move the game of baseball along. Today's guest is Baseballism founder and CEO, Travis Chalk. Travis, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, Chase, thanks for having me. So, uh, I appreciate all the kind words. I don't know if I'm on the Mount Rushmore of anything, but thanks for thanks for shouting out there. Well, I tell you, you know, it's so interesting to me. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to, uh, you know, and, and you might appreciate this as I'm getting a little bit older. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to just diving into who are the faces behind these brands. You know, the Amazons, the Apples, the baseballisms. You know, there's so many people some of them we know, Steve Jobs and Bezos. And then, you know, you just think about baseballism and uh, just where it's at today. And, and obviously you'll get, you know, hopefully tell the story of where it started. But, you know, to me, it was almost a little bit depressing to not, you know, know more about you, really. And I know it's a team and, um, you know, we'll get to all that, what you guys have built as a team. But, man, just your vision from where you started 10 or 11 years ago to what it is today uh, I don't know if, if Travis Chalk's on the Mount Rushmore, but I know that baseballism is, and I know the kids love it. And, you know, I'm hoping today on this podcast we can tell your story. So now we know, uh, you know, I hope that someone goes, hey, y'all know Travis Chalk, you know, the baseball uh, baseballism, you know, CEO is what I hope to accomplish because what you've done is it's remarkable. Uh, it, it's it's truly fascinating for somebody like me that really cares about you know, the guys behind the scenes and, and just kind of want to go through your story. Uh, you're a Punahou graduate out of uh, Hawaii. Um, very, yeah. very uh, established, um, you know, institution in Hawaii. I, I was telling you off air, um, little connection, Nolan Souza, who played for the Sticks and just a fantastic young man was also uh, alumni of there now. So me and my wife got to watch those guys play this year uh, over when we went to Hawaii in March. So just, you know, kind of take me through your story, being on the island, being a Punahou graduate, which is something I know uh, you guys take um, a lot of pride in, very tremendous alumni, and people are very proud of it. And just tell me how you ended up at the University of Oregon. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a crazy story. So I, I played played baseball at Punahou. Um, I grew up in the islands, Makiki, small neighborhood that's actually like five minutes, a five-minute walk from Punahou. So I grew up. 20 minutes from Waikiki, um, just where all the action is. So I'm a city boy. Didn't surf a lot, you know. Wasn't a big hiker or anything like that. I played, I played baseball, man. And so I think that's that's one misconception that a lot of Hawaii people get is like, oh, you surf, you know, you do all this kind of stuff. But you know, there are people that just play sports, man. Like, yeah, I love the beach, but like my my thing was not swimming. It was definitely land sports, volleyball, baseball, soccer. So I played baseball. That was my main sport. And actually, um, at Punahou, it really, it really is kind of a crazy story. I was a very good baseball player growing up, very, very good. Um, always was a starting shortstop, 
And when I got to Punahou, it's it's just so competitive, right? Because I, I was I went to public school uh, before I went to Punahou, and tried out for the baseball team, made the team, but all of a sudden, you know, I wasn't the starting shortstop anymore. Like people didn't know who I was. Um, it was it was a, it was a different experience. It was a lot more challenging. And so I I eventually you know climbed my way up on that ladder at Punahou, and then my freshman year. I was a starting shortstop, and on the, the last game of the preseason, I broke my arm. I was stealing second. Second baseman went up to go catch a ball from the catcher, and he landed on my wrist. And that changed my life forever. Like, I I missed the entire season. Um, my parents were not baseball people. They were kind of like, let's go put Travis in something that will keep him busy so it will make him tired so he can go to sleep at night because I was super hyperactive as a kid. And um, that year, I didn't play baseball. And then when I came back and I tried tried to play again my sophomore year, I was a different player. Like, uh, baseball is not like riding a bike. You know, if you take a year off and you're not from a baseball family that knows how to get you the proper training, the proper, you know, like private lessons or whatever it is, um, you come back and you can't just play. It's, it's super competitive, especially at Punahou. So I made the team, but I wasn't the starter anymore. And um, I, that was hard for me. And so when I came back my junior year and tried out for the team, I didn't even make the team. And so I stopped playing baseball as a junior um, my high school year. So that was like, that was my identity. I was a baseball player my whole life, you know, made all-star teams when I was a kid. And all of a sudden, all my friends played baseball and all of a sudden I wasn't a baseball player. And so I didn't really know what to do with myself. And so, you know, focused on academics, um, played soccer, played volleyball. But when I went to college, um, I, I got into University of Oregon. My my uh, my cousin had went there, and it was like the biggest name school that I got into. I decided to go to, to Oregon. And um, I went there not thinking my baseball career is over. Um, but I tried out for the club baseball team, and that's when I kind of rekindled a love for the game. Um, I, just, I just knew in my heart that I wasn't the player that I had been, you know, when I was younger, when I tried out for Punahou. And so I just kind of retaught myself how to play the game. I wrote down all the things my, my coaches told me, and I tried to set things right on like what I had lost after I broke my arm. And so I just became hungry. I just wanted to show myself how good could I have been, you know, if I didn't break my arm, if I did have the lessons, if I did come from a baseball family. And I just set out to prove that at University of Oregon. So I made the club baseball team. Uh, we ended up being one of the top club baseball teams in the country. Went to the World Series twice, and I, I was the leader of that team. And so that's kind of how I rekindled a love for the game. But it also gave me a huge chip on my shoulder, man. I mean, like I set out to prove the world that I knew how to play this game and I knew how to play it at a high level. So when I came back to Hawaii and played summer ball with all my friends who were in college playing baseball, I actually led the team in batting average, hits, stolen bases. And so that was kind of like my... You know, my moment where I was like, okay, you know, like I, I deserved to be on that high school team. I deserved to, you know, to, to go to college and play play ball, if not at the D1 level, at least at the D2 or JC level or something like that. But it was, it was a huge chip on my shoulder that I got from my sophomore year while breaking my arm when I was a freshman at Punahou. And so um, that kind of just drove me to be better and better. And like, it, I think it still drives me to, to, to show the world like what baseballism is and like the knowledge that I, that I, that I know and like my love for the game. So at the time, Oregon does not have a actual baseball team, correct? Not, so, no. so how, how popular was the club sport? Cause obviously the university of Oregon's a place that 
a lot of good yeah. baseball players love to attend. I mean, you see that today. I mean, they're one of the top in the country every year. So obviously, you guys were pretty talented. You played in the World Series. Was it a was it considered a bigger deal than some schools consider club sports right now? Well, absolutely, because I mean, you're at Oregon. You know, we got a huge campus. Well, you got like twenty thousand kids on campus. You're going to put together a good team, and like obviously, we have Nike as a huge influence at Oregon, and so we were probably taken care of better if not i mean like really well if not better than some you know d2 schools d3 schools and we had a lot of good players like we had we had guys that for some reason or another slipped through the cracks played jc ball got a d1 offer you know tore the rotator cuff had surgery and just not were weren't quite the player they used to be so we had a ton of good players i mean i even had a buddy that i played played baseball with at punahou transferred from pepperdine um, he was he was a starting pitcher. Pepperdine wasn't seeing the innings that he wanted, so he transferred and played with us at at Oregon. So we had a lot of good talent at Oregon. So take me through. You, you're obviously you're crushing it on the field and off the field. Anybody that's ever you know met about you or uh, you know kind of read up on you, you're obviously very very um, just off the charts when it comes to being a dreamer. Or, you know, having a vision. It take me through kind of as you know, school's wrapping up, you're about to graduate, and do you know what you're going to do with your life? Have you started baseballism yet? And kind of take me through to when baseballism actually became a business for you. Okay, so I want to say my junior year in college, and like you said, like you said, Oregon did not have a Division One team. And so you don't have those baseball camps that are you know, typically thrown, you know, like at Arkansas. They probably have a summer camp for, for kids every summer, like, like, you know, K through K through 15 or whatever it is, you know. And so we started a baseball camp and I had bought the, the domain baseballism.com, not knowing what it was, not knowing what I was going to do with it. But I was like, you know, just typing in domains and saying like, oh, what's available? And I saw baseballism was was not taken. So I was like, OK, I'm just going to buy this because I feel like it's a pretty common name for baseball people. You know, we believe in baseball, like really love baseball. Baseballism is a is a pretty common term. And so. We started a youth baseball camp with my three other teammates during the summers for a job, and uh, we called it Baseballism. And we made sweet camp T-shirts that said Baseballism across the chest. That's now our original classic logo. It's on the it's on the back of my hat right now. But um, we called the camp Baseballism. We ran it for a couple of years before we graduated. But and it was a great camp. Kids had a lot of fun. But people just loved the shirts. Like the parents wanted the shirts. The kids wanted more shirts. And that's kind of this how this whole thing got started is people love the our baseball camp shirts. So when did you take it from pretty cool idea that was kind of a, a secondary act to what you were passionate about in kids and giving back to you know the 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 superstar success that it is today? So I want to say around 2012, I was I was a head baseball coach at a high school in Portland, Oregon. Um, all the guys that started the original youth baseball camp, we moved to Portland. One guy went to the military, but the three three other guys moved to Portland, and we were just doing you know real life jobs. We couldn't teach baseball for the rest of our lives, especially at a baseball camp. And so I was teaching high school, but I was coaching high school baseball. I was also teaching at a uh, community college, and um, so I was doing basically working two jobs and also doing baseball training at a baseball facility at night, and. Um, Every time we wore those camp shirts out, like people would still ask us where we got those shirts, even though they didn't know what baseballism meant. And since I had access to a baseball training facility, 
I made I made those camp t-shirts again and sold them at the campus at the you know at the baseball hitting facility and they sold out in like a week and I I called my guys up that originally started the camp and I'm like guys we got to do something here like I'm selling these shirts um there's I think there's a need for baseball lifestyle apparel in this world and so we launched a Kickstarter back when crowdfunding was crowdfunding and you know not not everybody was doing it and we 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 barely met our goal but uh, it gave us enough to launch a website, make an initial run of t-shirts, and we launched our website in the beginning of 2013, and the rest is history. Just blew up. You remember what the goal was? The goal was, I think, $12,000, and we made $14,000. Because people believed in you before they even had a clue what was going on. Yeah, and basically, it wasn't even like, you know, it wasn't a lot of strangers. It was a lot of the kids I coached. Um, between those years I graduated and when I was a high school coach, I coached a lot of youth ball. So it was the parents of the kids I coached, uh, players that played for my high school team, a lot of guys I played with, a lot of the guys that I, I played with growing up when I was a kid in Hawaii. So it was, it was a combination of, you know, just a lot of people, just the baseball community that we had developed, the four of us, um, just growing up and playing baseball. So you start in 2013. Is it a, do you have an office? Is it a storefront? Is it just a website? Is it just the four of you guys? Like, are you designing the, the different yeah. logos at this point? So nobody's full time. Um, I'm selling the T-shirts out of my garage. We have a website. That's that's pretty much it. We we get orders. I go downstairs. I iron the shirt. I fold it up nice. I put it in a box. I hand write the label, and then and then I, the next day I drive to the post office and put it in the mail. And that that went on for about I want to say five months before it became overwhelming, and we had to get some systems in place, like using ShipStation and things like that to print out the labels instead of me writing it all the time. And then eventually we got our office, I want to say in like March of 2014. So about a year and a half after we uh, launched the company. So take me through 2013, it starts March of, March of 14, you get an office. Take me through at what point, like you walk into your friends or your wife or whoever and you go, hey, I think we made it. Like, I think we got something here. I, think, I mean, we, we slowly grew and got more and more teachers. One of the big moments for us in 2013 was... If you're not familiar with our brand, we we are very good at baseball quotes, and that just comes from coaching all the time. And like, if you're a coach, you know what you tell your players every day. And so, uh, one thing I used to tell my players was live life like a three-one count. And so I I tweeted that I put it on Facebook, and this was when you know before all the algorithms were crazy and everyone wasn't advertising on social media, and. When I tweeted live life like a three one card and posted it on Facebook, I think on Facebook we had like 10,000 shares. Twitter was then like 600 re retweets and it just kind of made us viral. And we also, we put that, that slogan on a shirt as well. And we sold just a ton of shirts that day. And so I think that's what really put us on, on the map was the quotes we made, but most, more importantly, that quote was the one that kind of just gave us a springboard into success going into Black Friday that year. So I would say like mid-2013, we knew we had something. And then by Black Friday of 2013, we knew that my garage was not enough. So when you first started, how many skis or shirts do you think there were? And like today, how many different like shirts designs do you think are, are, are uh -huh. kind of going that's, through? That's a great question. I, I would say when we first started our Kickstarter, we had just the classic logo and maybe two colors, a hoodie and a hat. So maybe we had you know, four SKUs when we first started. And then by the end of 2013, we maybe had a dozen SKUs. And then now, oof, we've got 
We've got over 150 things on our website right now. I mean, like we have an MLB license. We have a minor league license. We have a Field of Dreams license, Major League the Movie. So we got Roberto Clemente, Babe Ruth. The list goes on, you know. So we Japan. have Japan is is on the horizon. And we just cracked the code in Japan recently. So um, we have a lot of SKUs, man, like more than I can count right now. We actually, we want to cut down. We're trying to get a little bit more. We're trying to make the river deeper and not as wide. But um, do you do you have systems in place that'll tell you like what the fan favorites are right now? Like, do you know what works and what doesn't? Kind of not working oh, yeah. as well as it yeah. should. We have a great team. Um, we we hired you know young guys from the very beginning who are now you know our VPs, who a guy in analytics that you know knows what to order all the time. So we definitely know what's selling and what's not. Um, in the beginning, we used to do pre-orders where we used to post the graphic and let people decide if they wanted it or not, and just by just seeing how many likes there were. But uh, now we kind of we kind of know our audience, and so we 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 have a a great chief brand officer that kind of controls you know what we produce, and he goes over everything. So, um, we're, we're a finely tuned machine right now. The the things that I love that you guys do so well is especially the holiday stuff, and it's not even as for sale. You know, um, not that you don't do good stuff that is for sale, but you know, a lot of the Thanksgiving, the Christmas, the you know, the Easter, just different. Um, you know, you see the Santa Claus holding the candy cane back forever, and it's great. But, like, you know, baseball people, like, baseball never stops. Like, you know, at Christmas, you're talking baseball. At Thanksgiving, you wish the football game was over because you wish, you know, the world or UBC was coming on or whatever. So I thought a lot of the stuff you guys did, Halloween, um, was just awesome. And, and whoever's in charge of graphics for you guys, they do a really good job. And I'm assuming that's where, over time, it starts with one logo people love, and now – it's almost like every day there's something that, you know, gets millions of views or retweets or whatever. And uh, it, the creativity that you guys have developed is, is just something that's phenomenal. No, I appreciate that, man. And it just goes back to like, you know, all, all our founders played baseball. And so we're, we're just authentic. So if you're a baseball person, you know, you'll, you're, you get where we're coming from. And we want to show you that we know where you're coming from, too, because we played the game, we coached. And that's one thing we take great pride in is because, you know, we we attack the game from different perspectives. Like I think there's a there's there's some other baseball lifestyle brands popping up, but they're very niche on you know who their audience is. You know, there's there's a brand for youth, there's a brand for just high school kids, maybe college kids, uh, but they kind of exclude adults and maybe and maybe even like different genders too. Like you know, women are very underrepresented in baseball, so we try to attack the game from different angles. And like I said, you know, I coached, I played. You know, I know the perspective from a parent. I also know it from a kid's point of view. And so we try to have something for everybody. So, you know, I know your time is very valuable and, and you got another meeting uh, not too long. So I want to make sure I get everything in here. But if I if I bypass anything in this process chronologically, you know, don't let me miss on it because we, we, we were very successful in season two. We had a good lot of listeners. And, you know, I started this whole podcast to just hope that you know, maybe each episode, somebody will take something away and be motivated, be inspired. Uh, you know, again, as I've said, your, your story is just so incredible to me. Take me through um, this past weekend. We were fortunate enough to watch Mason Wynn make his debut with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. While waiting to get into the arena, there's a baseballism place right there at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. Um, actually went in. I got one of the Savannah banana hoodies. You got the reversible yep, hoodie. Yep, um, yep. Big time hoodie. My brother got it, the USA Slides. Take me through 
like tell me like how a Savannah Bananas, how you and Jesse Cole came up with that license partnership or the Babe Ruth or the Roberto Clemente. Take me through some of those processes. When did you realize that this was a realistic thing that, you know, Field of Dreams or Babe Ruth's, you know, family or whoever was like, oh, we like baseballism enough. We trust Travis enough to put our brands together. Do those guys have to sign off on stuff before it's posted? You know, just kind of take me through some of that process and, uh, then I'll kind of want to know about more about the storefronts at the stadiums and Cooperstown and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it all starts with brand trust, right? Because no one's going to want to partner with you if they don't know who you are and like, you know, you don't have a lot of credibility behind you. So it took a while for us to build up that credibility. You know, it took before we got our first license, I think we were three, four years old. And then, you know, we, what was we the talked, first one? The first one was Babe Ruth. Because our logo is Babe Ruth, and we wanted to do it the right way. So um, when we had started having some success, and we got to the point where like, hey, you know, like we can't, you know, just have Babe Ruth as our logo and not give him any money. And so we got in contact with them. Um, we 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 signed a license deal with them, and a lot of these legends that are out there, um, like Clemente, Babe Ruth, uh, Ted Williams, that we've worked with, like a lot of them just want to keep their name alive. Because you don't see as famous as famous and great as those baseball players were, like you don't see a lot of Ted Williams gear out there. You know, you don't see a lot of Clemente gear out there besides ours. And so a lot of them are very willing, you know, to partner with you, especially if we're a brand that's getting, you know, a lot of attention. We're starting to grow, um, and we're attacking the audience that that is relevant to them. And so when we we fir- when I first started the baseball camp, I was very strategic on like. Who, which teammates I wanted to partner with. And so I made sure I had a finance guy. Um, one of my business partners named Kalen Boodman. He was a military lawyer for 10 years. And so we had a lawyer on board. And then Jonathan Jawade was also in sales. And so we have, we covered kind of the whole business spectrum from the very beginning. So we we're very uh, fortunate to have people that specialize in different things, just like baseball. You got different positions. We let each person play its position. So Kalen does all the negotiations for licenses. And so it started off with Babe Ruth. And then when we got better, you know, we would Clemente. And then when we were large enough and people knew who we were, USA Baseball. And, and now it's, it's getting to the point where people come to us. So like Major League Baseball, like they knew about us. Uh, they reached out to us and then we had a, you know, a long negotiation on how, on how that worked. And so when it comes to licenses, it's just like people come to us, they know that we can move the needle for them, also grow their brand and they can help ours. So Savannah Bananas was just a natural fit. You know, they, they caught fire um, because of social media a couple of years ago. And so it was just a natural fit. So we talked to them, they approve, they approve the designs we make for them. And then it's just a, just a good partnership. What about how did it come about with Ken Griffey? Because that's, in my opinion, kind of the most famous one right now. I don't know. I don't have any analytical data. I'm not a part of the team, but everywhere you yeah. go, it seems like people love the Griffey. Oh, man. Uh, he he is probably our biggest license. I mean, you it's he outsells any major league baseball team for us at least. Like we sell more Ken Griffey Jr. gear than we do Yankees gear, and and I think it's just because you know he just. Everybody likes Ken Griffey Jr. You know, not everybody likes the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. Way, but I mean, everybody likes Ken Griffey Jr. Or at least no one dislikes him, you know. And so he, we were fortunate enough. So if have you ever heard of the Portland Diamond Project? Yes. Yes. So they're trying to bring Major League Baseball to Portland. One of uh, yeah. the leaders of that project is a guy named Craig Cheeks. 
and he worked he is a former nike exec and he used to work with ken griffey jr mm -hmm. and so um we realized that you know the swing man that nike came out with was you know wasn't being used as much anymore and so we said hey craig if, if ken wants to do anything let us know and so craig linked us up and uh griffey is was a great guy to work with he you know signed off on all of our designs and we just we launched that and it was just gangbusters man it was it was more than we had ever you know fathomed or or, or guessed or projected i should say um when we released that thing we were just like oh my goodness we got to order more king Virginia because this stuff is gone yeah i must say it sold out pretty fast especially the hat backwards oh yeah i mean that that hat we have a hard time keeping in stock so not, not to like kind of rattle myself or whatever, but how, how often do you have a problem with, um, you know, kind of copy cats or, you know, people taking the logo or whatever? Because honestly, we, we kind of, ours wasn't a, like a copycat. We didn't sell it. We kind of did a homage to Griffey and you guys. And we kind of had a little play on the Griffey shirt at one time for our <laughs> workout shirt. Um, but I know like all our parents wanted it and wanted us to sell it, but I didn't mostly because I didn't want to get sued. I, I didn't know that I would meet you you know, a year later and have you on the show, but I know there are people out there that aren't as respectful yeah. and, um, you know, that, that don't do things good hearted. How often, you know, do you just, are you, how often are you somewhere for dinner and you see a shirt that's like a logo you made, but it doesn't have baseballism on there. Or, you know, obviously you have a lawyer on staff and stuff like that. But, uh, when was the first time you kind of noticed maybe somebody was knocking you guys off and, and, uh, you know, how often does that happen to you? Yeah. And it happens way too much i mean like you see it online more than anything else i do like when i go to spring training and stuff like that um go to baseball games i see you know i definitely see some knockoffs of our design but the most annoying thing is just seeing it like on amazon and stuff like that for half the price and that's that's tough because it's it's not the people doing that are not even baseball people they just see you know they look at our online traffic they see that baseball is a successful brand and they just say all right let's just you know kind of latch on to what they're doing so I mean, it, it started happening. I mean, I would say I'm a lot more numb to it now because we're getting bigger and like it's it's almost mm. to be expected. But yeah, I would say after a couple of years, we started seeing six four three two everywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that that's probably our number one knocked off shirt because it is so simple to make. But um, yeah, I mean, it gets to me sometimes, and but I appreciate people like you, you know, who do things on the up and up, um, or at least ask for a license before they do it. So. Um, it bothers me, but not as much as it used to, because, I mean, I guess imitation is the greatest form of flattery, right? So we'll just go with that and, and move on. So when, <laughs> yeah, if you let it bother you too much, it's like whack-a-mole, man. You knock one down, another one pops up. So it is what well, it you, is. Uh, you talked about going to spring training games and seeing shirts. I mean, what's that feeling like still to this day? Or, or maybe you remember the first time, you know, you went somewhere and you just randomly saw somebody in a baseballism shirt, what that feeling was like? Oh, it's it's incredible, man. I mean, it's just it's it's especially when you go to a place where you've never been to and you see them wearing wearing your hat or the flagman logo, um, or a design you made. It's it's pretty humbling, man. And like I make sure if I see someone wearing the hat and they're next to me, I'll say, Hey, nice shirt or nice hat, you know. I don't say like, Hey, you know, like I designed yeah. that but, but like yeah. I definitely wanna let them know I appreciate them wearing it. Like it's so crazy you say that because me and my brother, we came back from St. Louis, we stopped and ate in Cabot, which is like probably three hours from my house. And we were leaving this restaurant. There was a whole family there. The dad, the son, and the mom had on stick shirts. I don't know if they had a youth game or what. I, I didn't know yeah. the family. And uh, as it's packed and we're walking out, I was like, hey, good looking shirts. 
and it was like caught him off guard or whatever. And uh, my brother, like, what? Anyway, as we're walking out, I, the mom, I guess, said, "Hey, I think that guy owns the sticks." And uh, you know, I didn't hear it. My brother heard it, but um, you know, I didn't want to like say all that because nobody really cares. But I yeah. just wanted them to know I appreciated them wearing it. So I couldn't imagine like going to like a national event, you know, and, and across the country or even Japan or wherever, and um, you know, people having your shirt on. It's just an incredible feeling, and something I know you guys are probably proud of. Yeah, we're definitely proud of it, and like, I think I think the thing that makes me most proud is like seeing my parents and my friends brag about how they, you know, I mean, that's my son or that's my friend. Yeah. that business? I mean, that's what makes me, you know, smile. So yeah, it's definitely a great feeling. So take me through when did you guys? So obviously, you guys are very intelligent. You got a a gang of of partners that are intelligent. Storefront is not always a great idea, even though people mm-hmm. think it is. So you were very methodical on where you wanted to put a storefront, you know, I, I've been to the one in Cooperstown, um, just went to the one at the at Bush Stadium. There's Field of Dreams has one. Yep, um, yep. And we went to one maybe, I don't know, and or either California, or Arizona, somewhere there was one like in maybe a mall or something. But um, for the most part, they're all right by stadiums or baseball places. Take me through when that started and when you thought like, hey, this might, was that always a vision for you? Was it always something you wanted? You know, attacking retail heavy wasn't always a vision, but um, so I'll I'll talk you through the first store. It was our Cooperstown store. So that's the first store we ever made. And the reason why we opened that store, even though we lived in Portland and Cooperstown is probably the furthest you can get on the map from Portland is because I coached. So I was, Mm -hmm. I was an assistant varsity coach as my first job in Portland. And um, that varsity coach made me coach the 12U summer team. And so I took a 12U summer team to one of those Cooperstown tournaments. And I realized what Cooperstown was actually about. Like the Hall of Fame, you got to go there. But man, the travel baseball in Cooperstown is where it's at. Because you got literally a couple hundred teams every week coming in, playing in their tournaments. And so it's like Disneyland for 12U baseball. Like bigger than the Little League World Series, really, as far as numbers go. And, and it happens every week. And so when I told my guys about them, I'm like, hey, we're going to open a store. Let's open a store that tells a story. It's where, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame is. It's where Double Day Field is. And it's where all our customers are. You know, it's where the baseball people go. And it's where baseball players go when they're 12 years to play in tournaments and their parents. And so we opened a store, you know, whatever it is, like 2,500 miles away from us. And um, it just worked, you know, like people understand, understood it's not okay to strike out it like, you know, with the backwards K um, people understood six, four, three, two people understood like, you know, there's no credit in baseball. And so we opened that store and it was just successful from the get go. And we saw that there was, you know, a market for retail um, in baseball places. And then we opened another store and, and, Scottsdale the following year for spring training because it kind of has that you know where baseball people go baseball bucket list so that's what that's where how it started and then we kind of just stemmed off from there uh, we ha- we do have that one location in Irvine that's not by a stadium and that was just kind of the Dodgers don't have us have really retail near their stadium and the Angels are we kind of wanted to be kind of in between San Diego and LA and so we tried we tried that and that's that's, that's doing good for us not great um, but we know that, you know, near baseball stadiums and near baseball places where baseball people, you know, care about is where it's at. Do y'all have one in Portland? Do y'all have a storefront? Well, we used to, but, you know, COVID happened. 
Um, and it, you know, we didn't know what was going on during COVID. So it was like, should we re like, so our lease ended, I want to say at the beginning of 2021. And we, we were at the point where it was like, is this going to be going on for another five years? Plus all, you know, we got broken into, I want to say like mm -hmm. a couple dozen times. And so we decided not to renew our lease. So we, we, our headquarters is still in Portland, but we no longer have a retail store in Portland just because of COVID and vandalism basically. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Cooperstown, I'm surprised there was a store open. Cause I mean, that little, that strip is packed with store. I mean, every single one of them was filled up yeah. when a couple months ago. Man, like I mean, it's it's changed a lot in Cooperstown. They did a, the whole a whole makeover. I want to say like four or five years ago. So when we we first got there, it was it was literally us, a couple pizza shops, the Hall of Fame, Mickey's, which which sells a lot of minor league hats, and that was that was the show. But I, I mean, since we opened there, I feel like I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, we brought a lot of attention to Cooperstown, man. I mean, like. Uh, we have a big social media presence and we tell baseball people how great it is. And we, you know, we, you know, give tours to kids that come and play in those tournaments and, and make it relevant to the younger audience. And so I feel like we've done a, uh, we've, we've done our part in, in bringing a lot of people to Cooperstown. You got a favorite shirt that you like more than others? Man, there's, there's a lot that I like. Um, I gotta say, I think I think man, live life like a three-one count just goes the nostalgia and what it meant to our brand when we first made it. That's probably my number one. Six four three two is up there just because of the same reason. Like that, that shirt went viral too. But live life like a three-one count. I think just because it's something I said to my players, and I don't think any other coach said it, and then I turned it into a shirt and part of a business. That's that's probably my my number one shirt. Speaking of, you know, what you said to the players and living, you know, on the field and off the field, I was, there's not a ton of interviews with you out there, which is disappointing for a guy like me. But in one interview, I heard you say, you know, you love baseball because you believe uh, in baseball, who you are on the field is who you are off the field. Yeah. And I agree with that a hundred percent. Never really thought of it like in that context. And, uh, but man, just hearing you say it kind of wanted to bring it up on here and, you know, maybe these listeners will be able to hear your approach on that too, if you don't mind talking about that. Yeah, I mean, like baseball's changing a lot, and it's got to be more exciting. I, I totally get it. You know, like I'm on board with celebrating with your teammates, and you know, like you know, showing your emotion on the field. But I feel like a big part, at least for me, a big part of what made baseball so special to me is it taught me life lessons that. I may not have learned at home or I may not have learned in a, an individual individual sport like golf or something like that or tennis. It's like, it's what makes baseball so great is, is it's a microcosm of life. And so um, I feel like the way you behave on a baseball field should be the way you behave on life. And that's what makes baseball so great is because it teaches you things on the field that you can take into your everyday life and use and be relevant. And so I mean, that that's my whole thing is like, I get, you know, like you got to celebrate and I get, you got to show emotion. And, and I think there's, there's definitely a place for that if it's done the right way. But I, I am, I'm kind of, uh, I love the old school because I love pay, like giving respect to other people. I think you got to show respect uh, um, in life and in, and in baseball. And I think when you start changing baseball in the way where it's not like life, it really changes what the game meant to me, at least, you know, like if you tell your players, you know, it's okay to, you know, 
get in the other team's face and you know you know stand over them or whatever it is you know that's not something you would do to a person in life um and so like that that that's kind of my like my stance like i i definitely like i said i love i love i love a good bat flip when there's a place for it but i also understand but i also want people to know that um baseball is like life so um let's try to keep it that way and and, and teach the lessons that are, are so good for our kids um when they're growing up playing it you said it best it's uh and you know you look at some of the best players in the world the mike trouts the whoever i mean who they are on the field appears to be who they are off the field you know we don't yeah. really we don't know everybody we don't have that kind of access but it appears that way um makes it more genuine you know and more role modelish and, and all those things as i get older um you know so i, I wanted to bring that up because i 100 agree with, with what you said Worded it a little bit differently than, than I heard, but you know, because I think in the interview it said, you know, you were like, hey, if I got a job promotion over another guy, I wouldn't just go run up to him and celebrate and said, hey, I did what you couldn't do, you know, yeah. so why would I do that on the field? And uh, I just thought, hmm, you know, that's somebody that's geared for success, you're, you know, yeah. obviously your, your mindset is I'm going to win, uh, which is what we want our players to have. So I just thought it was awesome and Appreciate you speaking on that a little bit. Yeah, I just I just want people to know, like, I feel like there's a there's a deeper meaning besides just being someone that's grumpy and saying like, oh, you know, you shouldn't do that and not have fun. You know, there's there's a deeper meaning to it for me. It's because baseball taught me so much, you know, and it taught me how to behave off the field, and so that's why it's important to me to kind of keep it very, you know, symbiotic on the field, off the field is because when you when you start teaching the game different okay you can do things on the field that you can't do off the field um that it gets confusing for me you know so it's like you know if i if i can't you know like if if i can't mix fun of someone off the field like why should i do it on the field cuz i'm teaching two different lessons to my kids right like oh yeah you can you can do this but just don't don't do it off, don't don't do it off the field right and so that that becomes confusing for me especially as a coach you know, so like I want to teach my players something that's streamlined. All right. Don't disrespect people on the field. Don't disrespect people off the field. It's a lot simpler that way. And then when you because when you teach one thing on the field and one thing off the field, it gets very confusing, especially when you're an 11 year old kid, you know, and then and the, 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 those lines become blurred all of a sudden. And so you don't want to be a hypocrite. Yeah. And so there's a deeper meaning than just, oh, like, I don't want people to have fun. I don't think they should show their emotions. No, it's more than that. It's it's about teaching the right values on the field so that they can be applied off the field. Tell me what's next for baseballism. Give me the next five to 10 years. What, what, you know, what you can give me, give me where you want to take it. It's already went places. I'm sure you never saw it going with Japan and some of the stuff, yeah. but you know, what's next in, in, in your imagination, what's your um, vision board look like? And just tell me what, what you, you know, have planned. So we definitely want to start getting on the ground and giving back as far as like baseball, like training goes, like, like get, get more kid get bats and balls and more in, in the hands of kids that couldn't otherwise afford it. I mean, so we want to give back, do more free camps we, that we've been doing the past couple of years. Um, we definitely want to expand our international presence. I think uh, we, we have a partnership with the Nippon Ham Fighters in Hokkaido, Japan. And we definitely want to be in other stadiums besides theirs. I think, I mean, Japan is the only country where where baseball is the number one sport. And so I think we, we have a lot of growth there. But mainly it's just, I think right now we are recognized 
by the baseball community. Like people know our brand. People, when they see the flag, man, they know that's baseballism. If you ask any team in the country what baseballism is, at least one kid on every team is going to know what baseballism is. I think we want to get to the point where we're a household name for non-baseball people. So when, you know, someone that doesn't play baseball or no, doesn't know about baseball sees, you know, me walking down the street with a flagman hat, they know that, hey, that guy plays baseball or knows baseball or loves baseball in some way. And so we want to be a household name, not just for baseball people, but for, for people in general. So that's that's the next goal. Did I see that you guys started softballism? Um, we it's, it's, it's more of a collection than an actual brand. Um, we don't want to get... Two, I mean, we definitely understand there's there's a huge softball community, but our company name is Baseballism, and it, it's also tough because a lot of the the things that are said on a bit like little our baseballisms are also relevant in softball. Three up, three down. Six four, three two. Live life like a three one count. Um, it's not just baseball; it's softball too. So uh, we made a softballism collection where we just use the name softballism and we you know put it in our put it on our garments, but. Um, we're still trying to explore that, you know, that that you know that name and community, but um, we we kind of just stick to our guns, man. We we don't do football, we don't do basketball, we just do baseball. So, um, we do. I know you love. Football, yeah, I I know you love to get back. You've done plenty of charities and um, just just give backs and stuff like that. Right now, all the the awful stuff going on in Hawaii. Uh, you know, I know you got the the uh, fundraiser, I guess you'd call it the, the shirt, the, um, the Maui shirt, I guess it is that, that yep. my wife actually ordered once. So, um, you know, take me through that. That's you as a person, or maybe you, the gang of four of you as a person. I mean, it seems like you guys are very giving and uh, obviously Hawaii means a lot to you as a whole, but it's, I mean, you do it all the time. It seems like so take, take me through that for a little bit on, on you guys, uh, just giving back approach. I mean, from the very beginning, I mean, our mentality is is give back to the game that gave us so much, right? We were, we were four baseball guys where we met each other because of baseball. We had some of the best time of our lives because of baseball. Um, we started this brand because of baseball, obviously. And so for us, it's it's a two-way street, man. We the, the game gives to us, so we give back to the game. And it's the same thing with our customers. Like, uh, they purchase from us, so we want to know. We We want them to know. Um, that you know, when when baseball's in need, some relevant to baseball, we're we're willing to give back. So whether it be you know like all all the time, you know, we have you know youth kids that that have cancer, and we we donate, you know, we can send them gift packages, let them know, give them shout outs, stuff like that, just to make them feel better, and just kind of taking care of our community is our thing. It's like give back to the community that was gave gave so much to you. And when it comes to Hawaii, it's I mean, Hawaii is a big baseball state, man. You know, there's a reason why we are in the Little League World Series hunt every year is because there's a lot of baseball players in Hawaii. And um, I'm from Hawaii, obviously. And when I saw the Maui wildfires hit, which was kind of surreal to me because we we get tsunami warnings, hurricane warnings all the time, but it never really hits. You know, like nothing ever like really very bad happens when you hear those warnings. And when I heard it actually you know, the fires were actually a thing and, you know, and Lahaina was gone in like a, in, in minutes. Um, it's heartbreaking because, you know, I have a lot of family there. Um, I have a lot of friends that have family there. And so it, uh, it was something I had to do, you know, Hawaii people is like the baseball community and we take care of each other. And so, um, when it comes to Hawaii, it's very personal. And like, I had to, you know, use my reach, use baseballism's reach to help those people out. 
Well, we, we appreciate everything you guys do, not only for the baseball community, but other communities and, and uh, efforts as a whole, man. It, it doesn't go without notice for sure. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys, you know, seeing what we do out there. Like we definitely, we got a heart behind us and we uh, want to keep it that way. Well, it's just a good example for other brands, other players, other, you know, in the, in the baseball community to, you know, see what guys are doing and, and want to lead efforts. So I know you've got another meeting, so I, I want to get you off of here. We, uh, we, again, you know, are very appreciative. We end every show with what we call five moments of truth. You can answer these as in detail or as short as you want. Uh, question number one is of uh, five moments of truth. Question number one is give me the best advice you've ever received and who gave it to you? Man, um, I want to say it was actually during a graduation speech at University of Oregon. And someone told me that you only got to be smart for like a tenth of a second in your life. And um, that kind of was true for me when I bought baseballism.com. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I was smart for a tenth of a second in my life and, and, and thinking that I should buy that domain and I did it. And once I got it, I, I made sure that I didn't let it go to waste. So that was, that was probably, the, that, that sticks out to me more than anything else. Give me the biggest mentor you've had, either personally or professionally. Um, biggest mentors I had, my grandma's. Uh, my my mom was a flight attendant, and my dad, you know, worked the the nine to five. So, and I was lucky enough to grow. My parents were neighbors, so both my grandparents lived across the street from me, and so they just taught me values that that I'll never forget. Like my one one grandma, she used to sew Hawaiian quilts and um, by hand, and there's like literally millions of stitches on each Hawaiian quilt, and she used to finish them in like it took her years to finish, but like just seeing her do that and have the stick to itiveness to finish that stuff. It just taught me like finish what you started. That was one. And my other grandma was just like, she was just like the most down to earth, like do things right kind of person. Like don't steal, don't steal. Like people work so hard for what they have. Um, why would you take that from them? And so those are, those are, those are two people that just, I really look up to. And like, if I ever was to get a tattoo, cause I don't have any, it would be my grandma's, my grandma's names on my body. Question three, give me the best up-and-coming person in your profession. The best up-and-coming person in my profession? Um, man, I would say our chief brand officer, Ryan Wantland. He is, he is a graphic genius, a branding genius. Um, we brought him on when I was, you know, I think five or six years into the company, and he has helped us so much with his expertise he used to work for the timbers he used to work for nike but he's a baseball guy which is hard to find and he's a graphic artist and so i would say ryan wantland our chief brand officer is is the number one upper up and coming design guy in baseball give me your personal and professional goals for the rest of 2023 personal goals i have a nine-month-old kid man um i just want to be the best dad i can to him um give him the things that i didn't have when I grew up, um, I'm lucky enough to be, you know, be able to work from home most of the time and, and see him and play with him and get a bat and ball in his hands and uh, and help him help him uh, learn the game better than I could play it. And so I think that's my number one goal. Also, just to be a good husband to my wife. Um, that that's changed a lot for me in the last you know couple of years. But um, that's that's my goal over 2023. Last one, we started this podcast to be a part of change. You know, the whole mantra is to, to change, inspire, motivate. 
And, uh, you know, I, I just really hope that maybe one each episode can reach one person and motivate them to do something positive for their community and, and, and for baseball and for just life. Uh, so just kind of want to leave it open-ended. Question five is just take it however you want to on how we all can be a part of change and leave this yeah. place better than we found it. Like, I think my thing is, it's just you will never know what you have inside you until you put it out there for the world to see, right? Especially coming, you know, like coming from Hawaii, um, big Asian culture, everyone's t- kind of taught to, you know, like mind, mind their P's and Q's, don't go outside the box, become a doctor, you know, become a dentist, you know, work a nine to five. Um, but if you feel like you have something special inside you, man, put it out there. You know, you got so, especially kids nowadays, they have so many outlets they can just put, put what the, what's in their head and put it on video or put it on Twitter or whatever it is. Um, but don't be ashamed of what you have because then who knows, man, it might stem into something huge like baseballism. And so I would say you will never know what you truly have inside you until you're unafraid and you put it out there for the world to see. I mean, they may not like it, you know, but at least you give it a shot. And so that, that's my advice for the kids out there. Travis, I can't thank you enough, not only for what you guys have done for the last 10 plus years for the community, for, you know, is example of, you know, how to act on and off the field and to live life like a three, one count. But I can't thank you, you know, personally for spending an hour coming on the Chase Brewster show. I'm not uh, oblivious to know how valuable your time is, but man, I just want to say we totally appreciate everything you've been doing and, uh, you know, look forward to see where baseballism is going in the future. And again, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Chase Brewster show today. No, I appreciate it, man. Good luck with the sticks. I'll, I'll try to catch a game if I'm ever out in your, in your neck of the woods. Well, we'd love to have you uh, make you a, make your honorary coach or captain or whatever. So uh, sure. we, we, we come, uh, we come out to the West coast. Uh, we haven't been to Portland, but we make our way through the West coast a little bit. So we'll see what we can do. And, and we look forward to seeing you out. And if we can help in any way, please let us know. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.